You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this Sunday afternoon is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, we got two more games to talk about, two more losses, uh, but they might be the only games we have to talk about for a little while because the Islanders are now uh, on hiatus, as they say in the TV business, postponed due to uh, the COVID outbreak that they had uh, a little too late, perhaps. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but, um, you know, Things are not well right now, and a lot of it just is simply out of the Islanders' hands, which makes it almost feel both sim- simultaneously better and worse <laughs> than it possibly could have uh, in other different ways. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's the right way to look at it. It's like there, there has been so much that's gone wrong for the Islanders that has been out of their control um, that the stuff that has been in control, their their control that's gone wrong, has like made you even more frustrated. Because, uh, you know, it's one thing to watch Adam Pellick make a mistake, uh, but then it's another totally different thing when you're seeing, you know, Grant Hutton <laughs> make a mistake. And you, you just know that uh, that should be Adam Pellick out there making a mistake, but he can't be there because of COVID. And obviously, like, with the way that this past week plus has gone, basically since the first two games at UBS Arena last weekend, it's been uh, quite frustrating to be on this side of uh, the curtain uh, with the league because uh, I think everybody saw where this was heading, uh, except you, it, there was one or two ways to, to get ahead of it, and they never did. And now instead of, uh, I guess, 
making the deci- the decision uh and and yeah like obviously a lot more goes into decision to postpone a, a professional sports team for at least a week than you me or anyone listening will ever kind of realize but um sometimes when you 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 see what's going on uh with with the herd i guess is was right in terms of like everybody saw that the islanders were heading towards this direction and it was pretty hard to to argue against that that logic when um that i, w- I would say the leafs game probably was uh it was pretty mm-hmm. obvious that 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 game was probably the last one they should have played um and you can't help but be mad like you can't do anything about it now of course um and look like the Islanders could have won a couple games too to 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 make us feel a little bit better, but they didn't do that. Um, so it's not like the Islanders uh, on ice product is faultless here because it's definitely not. But it's just it, it it was very frustrating because everyone saw it was coming. I mean, even with I think um, what's his face uh, I saw it was retweeted into my timeline. Like Ryan Whitney was like, "This yeah. is kind of getting to be a joke," and like someone from the Toronto Sun wrote an article. Yeah, Michael Trakos. Michael Trakos. <laughs> like when when those guys are kind of piping in. And I don't want to say on behalf of the Islanders, but kind of just on behalf of like the um, keeping like the competitive integrity of, of the league uh, intact. Mm. In, in like uh, you knew it was something was happening or should have happened and, and never did. And uh, it just screams of like the, the NHL has, when's the last time that they've kind of handled the situation? And once again, complicated situation, I get it. But like, when's the last time that, the NHL has kind of handled the situation uh, correctly. <laughs> like, this is the best way to put it. Like, I yeah. don't know. Because uh, I don't think they did it here. Because uh, if we were going to get to this point anyways, I don't understand what what, what the uh, the point is, was waiting and, and just infecting more people, obviously, as we've seen mm. Casey Sezikis plus some uh, staff members are now uh, sick and, you know, all the best to everybody. But uh, it didn't have to get to this point. I think a lot of people saw that it was going to get to this point, except – uh, and there was one thing to do to keep it from getting to this point, and it was happened a little too late. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the most frustrating thing about the whole thing is, and our friend Carrie Haber was talking about this too. It's just, just a general lack of transparency. So, you know, the Islanders had seven guys uh, before Sezikis. Josh Bailey came off, but now they put Sezikis on, and so it's still the seven guys. They have a bunch, you know, they've added a couple of uh, staff members, not Lou Lamorello, as pointed out by Lou Lamorello. Um, and so now they're postponed. The Senators had 10 guys at that time also, plus assistant coach Jack Capuano. They got game suspended. But the Penguins and Sharks earlier this season had, I think, six or seven each, and they weren't suspended. And so, like, is there a magic number? Maybe there isn't a magic number, and if there isn't, that's fine, but like nobody knows sort of what the formula is or what the criteria are, and so it leads to you know, a lot of frustration. Larry Brooks actually just had a funny tweet saying, you know, there are conspiracy theorists. Everybody, Every conspiracy theorist thinks either the Islanders were desperate to play those four games at UBS Arena or they were desperate to get them postponed. Like there's no in-between of like what, you know, who was doing what, and I don't think it's either of those two cases. You know, the league saw what it saw and finally postponed it. But like to your point, you know, we could kind of see where this was going and you know, making the Islanders situation even more complicated is they're opening this arena. I guarantee that that was a factor. And I'm not saying that like, you know, I believe one conspiracy theory or the other. I don't believe any of them, but you know, I'm sure that weighed in on it. I'm sure, you know, the, the team's performance kind of weighed in on things, but at the same time, you know, 
to come down a week later and be like, okay, you guys are postponed for two games now. And it's like, yeah, but we just played four games with a mostly AHL lineup. Like you said, it just, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like, you know, the best, the best uh, practices were taken, even if that is following the set protocol and that's fine. Nobody knows what the protocol is and it just comes off as being kind of shitty for everybody, you know, and it's nobody's satisfied basically. And they kept talking about and a friend of the program, Elliot Friedman kept saying uh, like the word is contained. Like they, they think this right. thing is contained, which was definitely not the case. I don't think when like it, I think it was pretty clear that, okay, like Josh Bailey gets um, test positive and he stays in Florida. Right. Uh, and then they come back and, and Lee and John, which is by the way, already a very odd situation that nobody outside of us seemed to really understand or care about, yeah. you know, it's yeah, like, exactly. wait, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. The Islanders are opening this bill, this right. new building and their longest tenured Islander is appropriately right. like that is Josh I, Bailey. It's so appropriate. I promise you, if it was the Capitals and Tom Wilson was stuck in Florida for a week and a half, you would have heard about it every hour for that week. <laughs> there would have been a yeah, cam in there right. watching him, you know, punch the air if they scored or something. <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah, nobody was talking about that. But then when Lee and Johnston tested positive, you, that's when I I feel like, you know, the, the radar was obviously up for, and of course it was. Like, mm. it's not, you know, we joke about it, but it's not like people didn't realize inside the league. Like, okay, the Islanders are probably starting. There's a situation that unfolding. Um, and then, yeah, like the, the most frustrating part to me was when they, um, you know, after the, the home opener um, and you know, the, the Leafs game gets played and it's the Bo- Beauvillier, you know, he's, he's got a false positive belt, but Bellows comes out. So like they, mm. they, it was clear at that point, like, okay, this thing is definitely trickling through the lineup because the night before Pellick green and Beauvillier false positive, like it, it was very clear this thing's going through the league. And this is what I was talking about. Like, everybody saw this happening and unfolding and every, every day the Islanders had to have a press conference saying like, Hey, mm. another guy has tested positive. Um, if you have to do that, it doesn't sound like it's contained at all. <laughs> um, be, at least, you know, to us and, and, and I just don't understand. I don't know if it was because, okay, now they're going on the road that they have to, we have to be more careful. Mm. You know, it's easier to contain, I guess when they're playing at home, but it just, it became so frustrating. And there was, there's been so many things from minute little details on the ice, uh, whether it's Kyle Palmieri hitting a post every time he takes a uh, shot or pucks mm. rolling off sticks or, mm. you know, just like clearance. Sebastian Ajo keeps skating into his own players. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, clear, he has like a clear path. And for some reason, someone skates into it. Um, and Like those little things are going wrong, but then big things are going wrong for the team too. And so it's, I think what happened yesterday with the Islanders fans and, um, there, there was like a lot of discourse and stuff. And I think, but the, the biggest takeaway to me was that everyone's frustrated for a million different reasons. And one of them was pretty much controllable and it was, but it w- not on our part. Like it was, there was another, uh, the league was, a, had to control it, not, not Islander fans. Um, so watching them kind of, you know, f- fumble that situation just was the boiling point for a lot of people. And, and I, and I don't, I don't, really think that there's any reason for anyone to get upset for somebody being fatalistic or shaking their fists at the league on Twitter, because they have, like, you gotta, you're a fan, like you gotta let your emotions out somehow. And, and that's what we saw a lot of yesterday. And 
naturally that stuff ends up boiling over and people are getting frustrated with each other and all this, you know, discourse is mm. transpiring on, on your timeline. Uh, and it's just mm. like, oof, like you yeah. got to hope that the, the one thing I will say though, is like, I was watching this all happen. People argue with each other and uh, talk about, you, you know, kind of outlandish conspiracy theories and stuff like that. But the, the one thing I was thinking is like, this has to be rock bottom at least like there's this has to be it. like there can't be there can't be a, i mean who I, you know knock on wood but i'm i was just like almost relieved that okay we've we've hit rock bottom hopefully this team can start inching its way back into like relevancy and and i i we talked about last episode about you know season over or season not over whatever camp you're in and the season's not over like but but the season's different now mm. right like the season now has turned into a long climb back into contention. Um, and if they can even just do that uh, and salvage that and, and play some meaningful games at UBS arena in March and April or whatever, like I'll, I'll take that right now. That's where I'm standing and that's where I'm hoping they can do. Um, and it just t- does this in this league. It does take just one kind of mm. hot streak and we've seen a lot of teams do it and hopefully they can end up doing it. But um, my hope is that they can slowly um, climb themselves, you know, claw back into the race. Cause uh it, it, it will be unfortunate that if if this kind of stretch of absolute hell, um, you know, just completely spoils a season that had so much promise. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about the two games that that were played, which were full of those frustrating on ice moments. Um, one of them being the 4-1 loss to the Rangers last week. Now, I am per my personal policy that you all know about, I don't watch Rangers games. I did last year because the Islanders were playing so well. I thought it was safe. Uh, and so I did watch those last few, but I went back to my policy, reinstituted the policy. And uh, I'm glad I did because it was a four, one loss seemed to be very frustrating. Noah Dobson didn't play that game either with a lower body injury, which again, gets back to the whole man, like what, what else could go wrong? I mean, the, the, we're talking here, here we are talking about the COVID stuff, which is obviously hugely important, but let's not forget Ryan Pollock and Brock Nelson are still also out uh, with just regular old hockey injuries that, and they, we won't be seeing them for several weeks, but uh, Kevin Rooney and Chris Kreider scored two goals each. And, and one of Kreider's goals, I forget which one it was. I think it might've been the first one, like is the exact type of goal that the Islanders haven't been getting this entire season. Somebody threw it to him and Kreider is standing as he does right at the side of the net and the puck basically bounces off of his shin and right behind Simeon Varlamov. Now could Varlamov have gotten over a half a second sooner? Yeah, I guess so. But like that's hockey. Like that's just, that's the way it works. And the Islanders haven't been getting any of those kinds of things at all. And credit Kreider for doing what he does. He's, he's got 15 goals this year. He's standing by the side of the net doing what he does. And that's the kind of stuff that you get when that happens. And the Islanders just simply aren't getting that kind of stuff. And when the other team is, and when that other team is the Rangers, it makes it, you know, four or five times even more frustrating. Andy Andrioff was the only goal scorer in that game for the Islanders, which is like, what, who? Okay. You know, um, it got kind of ugly at the end. Peugeot hit, uh, Ryan Lindgren and, you know, uh, I guess got people got mad. Lafreniere was fighting and Ryan Reeves is talking shit. Like he, you know, has been here for 50 years. Dude, just shut up. Like, honestly, just shut up. Like I get it. You're a tough guy. You want to make sure everybody knows you're a tough guy. The Rangers are a bunch of tough guys. I get like, all you got to say is, Hey, we fought hard and we won. And that's it. Like nobody wants to hear it. And you're just like making yourself look like a huge clown uh to just about everybody outside of of your fan base but you know it was not a very high event game i mean 
Varlamov made 17 saves, but Igor Shesterkin made 20. Like, and Barry Trotz said afterwards, like they were dead even basically for the entire game until things just started falling apart and things started kind of falling for them. Uh, the next game was very similar. A one nothing loss to Pittsburgh. I was at that game at UBS Arena. We'll talk about that in the second half. Um, and halfway through the game, they were even. The Penguins came out on fire. Guy behind me, Penguins fan, was like, oh, it's like a shooting gallery. They had 11 shots, I think, to the Islanders three halfway through the first period. But then the Penguins went 10 minutes without a shot. And as the Islanders sort of clawed back into the game. And halfway through, it was still 0-0. And, and you know, both teams had, had had chances. Then the Islanders get a power play. And this might honestly be the worst power play I have ever seen. And maybe the worst one in the history of the National Hockey League. It was just an affront to hockey. It was an embarrassment. <laughs> People were booing. And poor Sebastian Ajo, who you were just talking about, this poor guy is getting booed by 16,000 people because he literally forgot how to play hockey for 20 seconds. Like the puck is bouncing off his stick. He can't corral it. There's some penguin on top of him kind of harassing him. And they're on the power play. And it was just, it was the exact kind of situation the Islanders have been in this season where they get the power play, their power play does nothing. And then not only that, it leads to momentum shifting 100% into the other team's favor. Casper Kapanen takes a pass from Sidney Crosby and he scores. And he makes it one nothing, And it's the kind of one nothing. I don't want to say the game felt over, but it's just the most deflating one nothing you could possibly think of because you went from having the man advantage, the first power play of the game, you could have really established yourself to playing just Keystone Cops hockey and then giving up the lead. And it was just unbelievable. So the third period, and then for the last few minutes of the second period, it was all Penguins, of course. But then the third period, it was mostly Islanders, uh, except for two breakaways, which Ilya Sorokin stopped beautifully. One of them on Crosby. He got it with the blocker. It was fantastic. And uh, they got another power play that looked a, a little bit better. And again, all it needed was one bounce, one shin, one stupid thing off of somebody's mask or a post or a skate or just something, anything to send this game to overtime. And that the roof would have absolutely come off that place and they didn't get it. <laughs> and Tristan Jari made 25 saves yeah. with a shutout. You know, a couple of them were challenging maybe towards the end of the third period, but mostly they weren't challenging. It wasn't quite as bad as the game against the Leafs where that kid slept through a three, nothing shutout. And again, it was just the ex- the effort was there. But there was no execution and no luck. And on one hand, you're like, this is incredibly frustrating. They've lost eight games in a row. On the other hand, you're like, you're looking through this roster and you're like, who are these guys? Where are they going to go? Where's the luck going to come from? Where the, where's the execution going to come from? Where is the, the, are the scoring chances going to come from? And the guys that you would think you'd get it from aren't doing it. And then the other guys were Bridgeport Islanders a week and a half ago. And it's just... It's just an incredibly frustrating situation to be in. It's so helpless. It's such a helpless feeling is really what it is. Yeah. You you, you know the power play is truly, truly historically abysmal when um, that second one that they didn't score on but looked relatively competent. And when I say yeah. relatively competent, they just moved. They didn't give up shorthanded breakaways. Right. They were moving the puck around a they little bit. They had a couple of whacks towards the net, basically. Yeah. Is what <laughs> and it sounded like the the – UBS Arena gave him a standing ovation. Yeah, <laughs> like because, just because they didn't implode yeah. and give momentum right back to the team that they, you just worked so hard to wrestle it from. Because that first period, the first ten minutes of the game, the Islanders were just an absolute wreck. Yeah, like exactly. it was a wreck. And Ilya right. Sorokin was terrific. And one thing that this team is so has been good at when it's in form is so withstanding those pushes, like Barry Trot says. Like when they can recognize that when they they kind of their backs against the wall. 
and they adhere to some protocol and some systems and, and they just fight their way out of it and they get good goaltending. That's what happened. And they get, they, they, how many times over the years have we seen the Islanders do something like that? And you're like, oh, well, it happened against the Devils when they mm-hmm. had a great first period and Mackenzie Blackwood played really well. And you're, you're so frustrated because you didn't score in that, that when you had them on the heels, uh, you could have put the game away just like that. And you know what's going to happen is that the other team's going to score a couple goals and you're going to lose. And for some reason that doesn't happen with this team right now. Uh, but yeah, then, then you get the power play. Um, I was, I think one, one of the things is each game, I keep getting mad at like very specific people on the team or associated with the team. Like I was really upset with uh, uh, Matt Martin, obviously on that play with Kapanen and because here you got Sidney Crosby leading a four on two breakout and Matt Martin is back with a defenseman. I think it was Thomas Hickey. And, uh, He's got. A, he doesn't recognize that. Oh, one, one of the best players to ever play the game is going uh, leading this breakout. I'm a forward back on defense. Instead, he goes into 2011 Matt Martin mode and tries to wipe him out with a with a check. Yeah. Which yeah he so he put a check on Sidney Crosby. Great, but C- Matt Martin doesn't move too well, and so Crosby had all the time in the world to see that that hit coming and turned a four on two into basically a three on one, and Kapanen made him pet. Um, mm. And so, like, I was very frustrated there. And with the, the like, like you said, like, they, they, even after that, like, they get the momentum back and they start to get back into the game and they start feeling good about themselves and they just can't get the bounce. And, and yeah. it was similar with the Ranger game because they played so well, I mean, relatively speaking, so well. Like, they hung with this team. They shut down. I was so horrified of that top six being able just to, to run rampant over mm. this de- defense. Like, you think Paul Ledoux is going to be able to stop Artemi Panarin? Don't think so. <laughs> um, and uh, but he, they did. They they were able to hang tight and uh, yeah. That that power play resulted from uh, you know, they played good period. They should have a little bit of momentum. And Matt Barzell took a penalty right off the opening draw to start yeah. the second period. And like you said, Chris Kreider, he goes to the side of the net. Gets the thing that was most frustrating about that goal was that there was a clear plan there. Like Kreider comes around the side of the net knows exactly what he's going to do. The person who passed him the puck was like, okay, like this is this is a good opportunity to at least get something towards the net. Like I haven't seen the Islanders make a, make a direct play like that in uh, right. this entire season on the power play. So that's like and, – and then when that goal goes in, it just you, – you know that the game is basically over because this <laughs> team – it's a, a minor miracle and they score. It's uh, – hmm. I think they played over this – 20, uh, this eight-game losing streak, 24 periods. I think they have goals in seven of those pe- 24 periods. Seven. <laughs> they've, they've scored a goal in seven yeah. different periods. That's absurd. Right. Like, it's just... I mean, and yes, some of it's bad luck. Some of it, it's bad, uh, you know, t- bad talent or bad <laughs> players on the team relative to NHL standards. Uh, but a lot of it is just lack of execution, too. And when you see something come off executed so well... You just are. I can't even imagine that. I can't imagine Andy and then Andy Andreoff scores, and you're like, "Wow, this team that that good. That's a feel good goal for a player yeah. who's been working made a his two tail one, off. right? Yep, made a two one. Makes worked hard in front of the net, like exactly what you need to see. Like you, you, the cliche is always like, "We need a dirty goal, a greasy mm. goal." They got it. Mm. And what do they do? The fourth line comes out for the you know their <laughs> ceremonial post goal um, <laughs> shift. And they get beat by Ryan Reeves. Like, mm. like they all get beat. It wasn't just the defense there. Like, it was a pretty poorly played rush. Um, I think it was Hickey and – I don't even remember it anymore. I think it was Ledoux and Hickey. But, um, 
you they get 20 seconds later the game's over again so the mm. islanders for the first period of that ranger game and then for 20 seconds after they made it 2-1 felt like they had a chance in that game uh, mm. and that's it and that's that's what's been so frustrating is when when watching these games it's like you don't they don't feel they have to like earn their way into every game and they just haven't been able to do it um, at all. And when, you, and when they do, they do something stupid to give <laughs> momentum right back, whether it's a bad power play, turnover or penalty. And it's just, it's so frustrating that this hiatus getting all these guys away from each other. Um, yeah. And like, I'm, I'm not glossing over the fact that COVID sucks. Like I had COVID in January. It's, I was sick. It sucks a lot. And I hope everyone gets better, but like, just on a from a season standpoint, getting these guys away from each other and away from the rink is just not a bad thing from from just a hockey season perspective. Like, yes, I feel like if I'm Matt Barzell and I'm leading a rush and I see that the only person on the rush with me is freaking Andy Andrioff or Matt Martin or Paul Ledoux, I probably would just smash my stick to bits rather than throw it towards the net at this point because you well, know it's not going to goal. I'm I'm glad you brought up Barzell because I I do want to talk about him. We've we've sung his praises the entire time we've had this podcast. This is year five now of the Barzell experience. He's obviously their team superstar. We love him to death. And, you know, it. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade him for anything in the world. But he's the guy who wears the frustration, I think, on his face the most. And he said he had a, you know, they did a, a availability. And he said, you know, the, the attitude in the room is a lot higher than you guys think. And I believe him. But I think on the ice, he tends to show that frustration a lot, that penalty he took in the Ranger game was hugely unnecessary. And again, basically after a period of, of being fairly even, you know, now, now the game is out of your hands, basically Um, in the game against the Penguins, his line mates were Zach Parisi on one side and Richard Ponick on the other. Now I'm sure they're lovely guys and they're not unskilled players to be sure, but if you're Matt Barzell and you're looking and you're norm- you normally see Andrews Lee over there, or you normally see Josh Bailey, who again, you know, again, obviously he's not the perfect player, but you know, he's a guy you've known for a long time and you care about very much and you know how good he is uh, as a player. And those guys aren't there. And these two other guys are like, I don't know what is going through your head. So he's trying to do too much and it's resulting in not a whole lot of anything happening. I mean, there were, he was getting triple teamed by the penguins in that game because why bother covering Richard Ponick or Zach Parisi? Because, you know, if Barzell can't get them to puck, what difference does it make? And then, of course, you know, one of them will cough it up and they'll just go back the other way. And I think for all of his many skills and all of his many incredible talents and his speed and his shiftiness, we have to come to the realization that at least at this point, and it might change at some point, he's still a pretty young dude, Matt Barzell just isn't the type of player to take over a game. He just isn't. He's not the kind, you know, he wants to be Sidney Crosby. I'm sure Barry Trotz wants him to be that guy, but he's just not that kind of guy who, you know, now when he steps on the ice, everybody gets excited. It's electric. You're hoping to see something cool, but the times that something cool happens versus the times where nothing happens are starting to shift in the wrong direction. And he's just at this point, he's not that type of dude to just simply take him, take over a game and be like, this is our game right now and we're going to win it. And, you know, he's shooting more. But again, like everybody else, it's not falling for him. Uh, and, you know, his teammates, his line mates are out and they can't really help him. If he had Lee there, maybe it would be different. Obviously, Eberly is a Seattle Kraken now. He's got like 10 goals and people are like, oh, they should have kept Eberly. You know, 
Paul, Kyle Palmieri right now, I need to call up Kerry's tweet. Kyle Palmieri right now, I think is shooting 2.5% this year. And the Islanders as a team over the last three weeks are shooting 3%. Uh, let me make sure I got the numbers here. Kerry posted this from um, uh, the other day, which was on um, Natural Stat Trick. 3.20% the Islanders have a shooting percentage of in the last three weeks. The Vancouver Canucks, who we'll talk about in the second half, a team that everybody in the hockey world has just decided is falling apart at the seams both on the ice and off the ice, is shooting 6.25%. So they are shooting twice as good, <laughs> at 50% better, or 200% better, I don't know, I'm bad at math, uh, than the Islanders are, and they are literally falling apart at the seams. And the Islanders can't even get to that point. And part of it is Barzell, part of it is Palmieri. You know, if Eberle were here, would that be different? I don't know. We've seen Jordan Eberle go 15 games without a goal in his sleep, you know? And so right now, none of that stuff is happening, and I think Barzell really, really, really wants to be the guy to pull this team out of this rut and make the team his own and make himself one of, you know, those premier guys that can just take over a game in this league. But he's just not there right now. And it's I'm not saying this is all his fault. He's doing the best he can. I love the guy to death. But it's frustrating to watch him get frustrated. <laughs> and I think, again, of all the players, he seems to be the most frustrated by this whole thing because he, he doesn't want to be this. We, we, we thought we moved past this part of the program. <laughs> here we are right again we're right back to where we you know we were before yeah he 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 said it like he you can tell when he is um playing like when he's tight like when he's yeah. tipping the stick too tight more than anyone in the league and and Beauvillier might be number two in that yeah in that same stat because and he verbalized his, it about that power play like we're all still gripping them too tight now basically with, with, with Barzell it's he, he he tries to do maybe too much with Beauvillier it's just like weird kind of like Pucks like a la- quick lapse in concentration or something. The puck comes off the stick, uh, pass to absolutely nobody. It's just some strange um, things, and and those things have crept into the game, which once again like is is a reason why, yeah, the the decision to postpone the Islanders has come way too late for basically everybody's <laughs> liking and for common sense and logic. But um, it does give these guys a breather to to kind of shake the cobwebs off of that. Um, and, I think uh, Crosby is an interesting. First of all, um, yeah, Sorokin was amazing on against the Penguins, and it's been uh, 16 years of Sidney Crosby haunting us. Uh, he picked <laughs> up his 123rd point against the Islanders um, uh, Sunday or whenever they played. What's today? Today's Sunday, mm. so fr- well, I don't know. Friday when they whenever they played, <laughs> and mm. um, the the crazy thing was that Ilya Sorokin. Like kind of has this guy figured out. <laughs> he stopped him on breakaway. He was so good against him in, in the playoffs. And after he stopped Crosby a couple of times, he was like chatting at him. <laughs> um, and I don't know what he was saying, uh, you know, with, with Sorokin, you, we don't really know, you know, we know he's got like this dry sense of humor and he seems to be a very affable character. So he's probably something funny or <laughs> it could have been, uh, you know, they could have been discussing, uh, you know, their favorite classical literature russian classical literature i don't know but um it, it, it is fun to watch at least crosby not every time for whether it was against Dwayne rollison or jan denis or yara halak or simeon varlamov anytime Sidney crosby had a chance against the islanders over the past decade and a half it's in the back of the net mm. um but not against sorokin which is nice um but <laughs> the difference between i think crosby and barzell is like We've seen so many times over the years, with throughout this haunting process of Sidney Crosby to the Islanders, uh, all of a sudden the Penguins will, will go through an injury crisis, and 
two guys you never heard of are playing with Sidney Crosby and he turns them into millionaires because they're, they play with him. uh, They, they do well. And that's, I think that's the thing. Like, yeah, Barzell playing with panic and Parisi is probably not ideal, uh, especially with the team fighting and offensively right now. Uh, But there are guys in the league who are a tier above Barzell that are able to uh, drag players like that into uh, productive roles. Um, But I don't think Barzell is that he he's just, he's just a different kind of player. And uh, when, when this team is able to roll four lines and and teams can't just hone in on him, be like, yeah, stop stop Barzell win the game. uh, It's a completely different story. I mean, even against the lightning, you know, he, that game six, he took over that game um, for about six minutes. Uh, You know, he's going out there every other shift, but he takes over the game in, in a much different way. Like he, he just has a puck on a stick and he's able to find guys and, and create space for other guys and create lanes for other guys to channels for them to like skate into. And all of a sudden you turn up, to, uh, you know, five on five in, in the offensive zone that where the defense is packed in the middle, he, he catches someone maybe drifting towards him and Scott Mayfield comes off the rush like he did <laughs> in that goal in game six. Um, and there's just been none of that. And, and I think a lot of it is just because teams are able to say like, Hey, we can double team, triple team this guy at the blue line, because if he does, if even if he gets past us, and he has a two-on-one. It's he's got to shoot it because he's not going to pass it to Richard Ponick right now. Hmm. Um, so it's fr- yeah, it's frustrating to watch him be frustrated for sure. And uh, the hope is that when when he does get Lee and uh, Bailey and whoever else back, and the guys start to get put into like more appropriate roles, uh, this 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 thing will turn around. Because even a player like Kyle, I think Kyle Palmieri over the over the past four games, the games at UBS. Um, I think Kyle Palmieri has probably been their best forward. Uh, and then uh, maybe, I can't believe I'm saying it, but like it could be Ajo at this point, their best defenseman. <laughs> uh, but b- both of those players are decorations more than anything, right? Like Kyle mm. Palmieri isn't, he shouldn't be the one. Uh, he, he's like a perfect third wheel on a top six line. He's not uh, the guy who should have the puck on a stick, carrying the puck over the line and creating offense. Like he's not that, he's not the point guard. Mm. he's been put into that role because of what's going on. Uh, and he's done it all right, except he can't score like right <laughs> now, which is really frustrating. Uh, but he's, he's getting looks. And, and I think that between him and, you know, when, when Kyle Palmarian and, and Sebastian Ajo are the two best players on a team that by all accounts is a deep team, a team that has depth. Uh, it's not good. Uh, it's not good at all. So yeah, yeah it's uh we we smash we're going to smash the reset button here uh, and, and <laughs> yeah. hopefully this team comes comes back and looks much more like the islanders did against the winnipeg jets uh on yeah. november 2nd right yeah and that's the thing there were those two games that they looked like themselves but yeah and that's the other frustrating thing too is like how do you make changes like particularly on the power play like yeah okay obviously they're going to practice it but like how do you make changes when most like half of the guys who normally run the power play aren't here like, you know, how much how much effort and focus do you put on guys like, you know, Sebastian Ajo running a power play that they ideally would never run? <laughs> so it's it becomes, you know, what are you going to do? And that's, you know, Lou Lamarello, what, what are you going to do? Like, I don't there's no trades coming. There's not all they can do is call up more guys. Yeah, I guess they could put Goloshev in the lineup. But Trot said he didn't feel like he was ready. You know, I mean, if that's if he sees something that prevents him from doing that. But I mean, at the same time, I think it was Andrew Gross who, you know, he kind of couched the question like, not that we're talking about like a savior situation here, but like, what about Goldashev? Yeah. Uh, actually, I think it might have been Brian Compton, but like, and and that's right. Like, I don't think Goldashev is going to show up. I kind of wanted to see him on Friday, 
but it's not like he's going to show up and like all of a sudden be, you know, I don't know, Denny Savard or Pablo Burry or something like that. So no, but no, it's, it's you yeah. just looking at it like it, it's it's funny because you think about Andy Andriyev scores that goal against the Rangers, and I think there's a pretty good portion of the fan base that after the game was like, I kind of wish he didn't score that goal because I think it's been <laughs> a lot easier to put him in. And oh, I we got him. I just got to mention the Otto Koivu at play against oh, yeah. the Penguins too. Um, yeah. I actually thought that they were going to win that game for some reason. I'm sick in the head. Basically, until uh, the the Koiva like it's a wide open opportunity in front of the net, and we you want to talk about bad luck. Like puck finds him, puck finds his stick, but like right before that play, he he hurt his hand or his wrist. Mm. <laughs> like he was like shaking his wrist. The puck obviously finds the guy who's dinged up. Um, right in front of the net and he can't lift it. And Butch was saying that he thinks it was because of the injury right before that, that pass found him. But um, when Otto Koivula, like when he's, he, that was probably the best opportunity the Islanders had that entire game and it falls to their sixth center. Um, and no matter what, like that's, that's just one that needs to go in at that moment. And we've been talking for about this guy and or we have it, but like just in general, he's been around forever. And you sure. kind of wonder, you just kind of wonder like, what is it that these guys see that, that maybe isn't um, that shows that he's probably not in everyday NHL or at least right now. And I think that that was probably the, the perfect highlight for it. And it was so frustrating to see. And I, one other thing that about these guys too, is trots, I think after the Maple Leafs game or the Rangers game was asked just about, the guys uh coming in and like he, he basically was saying i'm really happy with the way they're working but the reality of the N- the nhl is that some of these guys are going to take this opportunity and prove that they can play in this league and league, the other ones just they'll be minor leaguers and, and he was very blunt about it mm. um and it's so clear i mean it's just like you're, it's just you're just like yeah like grant hutton mm. as as you as hard as he's been trying and as well as he's kind of been doing all he's been doing all right like it's not like he's doing anything he's just kind of it's it's the typical uh as long as he doesn't show up in the papers the next morning he probably had a good game kind of thing he had a play on against pittsburgh where the puck came to him at the point and people were like yelling shoot and he dumped it into the corner (laughs) and i told my friend i was with my friend geo and uh i was like that's hutton you know he's been with bridgeport for a long time and you know i get that people want to see him shoot we want to see a goal in the worst way but that's not Grant Hutton's job. Grant Hutton's job is to dump the puck back into the corner, and that's exactly <laughs> what he's going to do come hell or high water. So, yeah, that's the Grant Hutton play. Yeah, that's the safe play. But, right. Uh, so. and, and and you just think about these guys. You're just like, yeah, like this is this is their their opportunity, and, and I don't really – it's frustrating that not many of them have actually seized it because yeah. uh, right. you always look around the league at – like the, when the Sharks were going through this COVID thing, they, they won a couple games, and – guys you never heard of are you're pulling putting pucks in the net and stuff and it is it is a little bit frustrating that none of these guys um have, I, th- I think there's been really good moments for a lot of guys and they're all be- like robin salo's been good but he's being asked to be a first pair defenseman right yeah now. like he's right he stopped he stopped Sidney crosby on a on a break and you're like wow like that was a great play by a guy who should never be in that situation ever again <laughs> and, and uh you know he's if, if if he was playing this this kind of style with the rest of the guys and you're like this, the Islanders have a really good bottom pair defenseman right now. And he can obviously then grow into a bigger role. But uh, when, when he's playing top pair minutes with 
Scott Mayfield, who isn't a top pair defenseman in his own right, mm. uh, and is, is limited in what he can do. It's just it's gonna, everyone's going to look worse. But it is it is frustrating that there hasn't been like one performance really by one of these guys um, come up that, that has come up that you're like you know I'm, I'm really excited to see what you know so and so does to the next game, which uh, that is a little bit frustrating. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and uh, now they're going to have to wait a little bit longer to maybe make those. Uh, those things happen. Uh, they were supposed to play today against the Rangers again at the garden. They're supposed to play in Philly on Tuesday. Those are, and, and the flyers, by the way, have lost six in a row. So that would have been a real barn burner. Uh, eight losses for the Islanders, six for the flyers you know, Monday, you know, Tuesday night matchup in, <laughs> in the, whatever the heck the, na- the name of that building is now, but uh, now it's been postponed. So mercifully, I think both fan bases are like, Oh, thank God, you know, but, uh, you know, two teams that really need a win, and I don't think I don't think my team would have gotten in, and I know Flyers fans don't think their team would have gotten in. So that yeah. would have been a good one. That, that uh, is one of the like the, the reasons to kind of take a deep breath about the season, and it's like yeah. t- teams just the NHL is all about streaks, and the Flyers two weeks ago were near the top of the division, and yeah, then look what happened. Like it's hopefully water will level out, and at some point in in February or March, we're mm. talking about some big games. Hopefully, but uh, they got a lot, a lot of things to straighten out, and at least the COVID and injury situations will get straightened out. We know that. Uh, it's the other stuff that is uh, frustrating. But yeah, it's a, it's a light at the end of the tunnel. Which, which, I, like, it was weird. It was such a weird experience watching these games because there really <laughs> wasn't a light at the end of the tunnel during the streak at all until yeah. yesterday when they postponed the games. Like, I remember, <laughs> I was like, I, I was getting ready and excited about the Penguins game because for some reason, once again, I've convinced myself they're going to win, which mm. I've done for every game of the streak. I'm like, this is going to be the one that they win. Maybe the goalie steals it. But then inevitably the other team scores one goal, which is insurmountable for this team, and, yeah. and those feelings run away. Um, but when the, that goal does score, that you you lose sight of any light at the end of the tunnel because you're like, oh well, they're playing the Rangers on Sunday, and guess what? Maybe Josh Bailey's back, and, yeah. and as great as that is, like, and as great as it was that Josh Bailey was in the building, and it, it was once again the fact that he's kind of the face of this whole saga is is something. Yeah. It's so Josh Bailey and, and the picture of him in like an Islanders uniform, uh, practice uniform on s- Saturday or, uh, was just so heartwarming. Um, yeah. But he doesn't play defense. So the Islanders were still going to be trotting out a defense with Brent Hutton, Sebastian Ajo, yeah. Robin Salo, and Thomas Hickey as their bottom four. So uh, there really wasn't a light at the t- end of the tunnel. And now hopefully there is. Josh Bailey, the guy who... The last time he played, we were complaining. Also, hasn't been scoring. <laughs> so it's like this is the guy we're waiting to come back. The guy who was working on a golden streak of his own. So yeah, that's he's that's pretty indicative of uh, of what's going on for me. That there are lights at the end of this tunnel. The problem is the lights are all like long term lights. Next season, <laughs> you know, the second half of this season, next year, a year after, you know, I go to Cap Friendly and I see lights all over the place, but that's not yeah. helping them yeah. get through this eight game losing streak, but all right. Uh, we need to take a break. We're going to come back on the other hat side. Uh, I'm going to talk about my experience at UBS arena real quick. I promise we won't make, you know, an ongoing thing of this whole UBS thing, but I did make my first trip there and it was pretty cool. And then uh, we're going to talk about some other teams that maybe don't have as much light at the end of their tunnels <laughs> that are uh, honestly taking up a lot of the uh, attention away from uh, what's going on here in the Island. So uh, meet us back on the other side. All right. Thanks. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And now a word from our sponsors. First always is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Vintage Ice Hockey also carries our Al Arbor t-shirt, and our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. You could use the code LIGHTHOUSE15 at the checkout to get 15% off your order. That is VintageIceHockey.com. Betway is the official betting partner in the NHL. Play big pick for free or play for real. Residents in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Idaho, and Iowa only. Check the link in the podcast description to join. Must be 21 or over. Terms and conditions apply. Try wines from the Pinot Project. Delicious Pinot Noir, Pinot Grigio, and Rosé, all under $15 a bottle. Available at your local wine shop and at UBS Arena. Please play and drink responsibly. So, I have been to UBS Arena, and it is, in fact, as Mike said last week, a theme park for Islanders fans. It is fantastic. Thank you again to Michael and Jillian for uh, being very generous and uh, <laughs> securing, helping me secure tickets for uh, the game against the Penguins. Everything was great except for the final score. Uh, but, uh, it's really, it's really cool. Um, you know, getting there is a little bit weird, uh, because there's a lot of sort of construction going on, but, uh, we were able to park, uh, in a lot right up in front and we walked right in the Belmont, uh, hall, which is the bar right there is open. So we were able to get in out of the cold, which was nice. They have a back room back there. I don't know if you got to go in there. Like there's a back room, like a game room and they have like, um, you know, bubble hockey and stuff. And they have a million pictures of Ralph Macchio. Uh, I guess, you know, that's <laughs> what you get when you're Ralph Macchio. It's like, okay, you see one, and then you look at the next set of group of, you know, it's got, got the sort of TGI Fridays kind of feel to it, all this stuff. And you look again, you're like, okay, there's another Ralph Macchio. And then, oh, there, wait, there's Pat Morita, who I guess, you know, obviously worked with Ralph Macchio. And then there's another Ralph Macchio, so it's kind of <laughs> weird. They also had a, a big picture of Bartolo Colon, my boss, <laughs> huge Mets fan, took a picture of it. Texted to him, I'm like, big sexy represent UBS Arena. And <laughs> we had a good laugh about that. Um, and then you walk in the arena and like you go up the stairs and it's big, it's bright, the concourse is nice and wide. You got fan pictures on the side, you got the big murals over there of the islanders. We walk the entire concourse. Um, you can see the ice basically from just about everywhere. And uh it was super cool. One thing I didn't know, we did not find the speakeasy bar. Uh, maybe next time. We weren't really looking for it. But one thing we did see was uh, at some point, the hockey pictures become music pictures. And you start seeing musical acts. And you're I'm reading these things. And it's like, these are all bands that and acts that performed at Belmont Park, which I, as a person that lived on Long Island for the first 26 years of my life, did not know hosted concerts. Who knew? And I'm looking at pictures of like, uh, Blondie and Dion Warwick and Ray Charles and Frankie Valley <laughs> all would perform there. And I'm like, since when did they host concerts? It, I guess it's been a while. I think one of the most recent pictures was of LL Cool J. I don't know when the last time LL Cool J went on a massive uh, tour or whatever that played, uh, you know, at Belmont Park. And most people probably know him as an actor now. But um, 
you know, I thought that was really cool. I was like, wow, how about that? Who knew? Uh, we walked around the upper concourse. We saw Shaq's big chicken right at the top of the escalator. My wife was like, you're going to eat there. I'm like, eh, this line is too long. I'll get something else later. And, um, we walked and then we went to the supporters section, which has that beautiful view of the ice. Uh, we got our pictures with Sparky. I went with my best friend, Gio. Not only is it his birthday coming up, uh, this week, but, uh, he and I, when we were in college, we went to a lot of games at the Coliseum with the $12 student discount. I don't know if you ever used it or anybody else used it. That was our thing. Did you ever use that? The oh, $12? Yeah. yeah, it was, <laughs> uh, it became, uh. I think it was it was $10 when I was uh, oh, in wow. high school and college yeah, with your with your student ID and yeah. you got a burrito out of it too or <laughs> oh dang my friend my friend and I were uh, talking uh, there used to be a subway and at Nassau Coliseum I don't remember yeah. if you remember that the subway stalls and that was like a huge deal at Nassau Coliseum they're like subways <laughs> coming like we're we're finally getting into the 1990s in 2006 <laughs> but uh like they were really excited about it they made two sandwiches i think a veg veggie and like a turkey and mm. the lines for subway for the first couple of weeks were, were outrageously long because it was such a big deal that they had one at the coliseum and then yeah you take That's that and you put it next to uh what, what's going on now it's it's hilarious and but yeah <laughs> yeah those those uh i, I, I very <laughs> those those uh ten dollar student yeah. id into Loudville or whatever. Yeah. And then became, <laughs> right. like, yeah. the energy, uh, the energy that. drink that sponsored it too. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. But. It got to a point where like the $12 tickets to see the Islanders were like cheaper than movie tickets. So like we just started going <laughs> into more games and it was always against like Hartford or Tampa Bay or some other team that, you know, Phoenix or whatever, nobody wanted to watch, but uh, we went and uh, yeah, so we had a good time. So I thought that, you know, it made sense to make uh, his, uh, my my first trip to UBS with him, uh, I found my, we had stopped at my parents' house before we went, and I don't know if you, if anybody follows me on, on Twitter, you saw that I found my old Ziggy Palfy fisherman jersey had never been worn to a game. I got it at a garage sale, uh, probably in the late '90s, and back then, you know, the fisherman merch was verboten. You did not want to wear that to an Islanders game, but now it's kitschy, it's vintage, and so I put it on. I'm like, this is it. It's 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 you know meant to be i'm gonna wear this here it still fits pretty good and uh it didn't help the islanders at all but it was cool to kind of wear it i saw a couple of other fisherman jerseys out there but um anyway the upper deck was great we we got our pictures with sparky who was there uh i shook the hand of uh, paul cartier and i thanked him for all of his uh what he's done for the for the team i just wanted to kind of get in there and say because i saw him there and uh we saw the supporters wall which is really fantastic you know seeing it up close seeing all the logos looking at everybody it, it's really cool and it really brings home kind of like what what you know how much fan service is in has been put into the arena everything that i just mentioned the wide concourses you know the million bathrooms like all this is stuff the way to see the ice from everywhere like even the 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 aisles are noticeably wider than they were at barclays center so like getting from one end of the you know your seat out to the the aisle you don't have to step on somebody's toes and crush their feet uh underneath so that's pretty cool too and that support as well is just fantastic there's so many you know geo hadn't seen it and he was like oh my god the uk i'm like you got uk brazil you got all my personal favorite though i gotta tell you is I think Isles Meetup San Diego is fantastic because they use the old Swing and Fryer logo from the Padres that I just love so much, and I was like, "That's that's my favorite right there." So I thought that was really really cool, and uh, and yeah, we we got to, the tickets were were really nice, and we saw some of the lower, you know, index seats uh, and stuff too, and um, it was just an awesome experience. And it, it, you know, the way I think of it is like, imagine something you never thought happening not only happens, but is like way better than you ever expected it to happen. And that, that to me is just this place. And, you know, yeah, the game sucked. 
but the experience was was really really cool you know the game experience is still very much like an islanders game <laughs> but it's just you know the the place is just elevated and it really makes you feel like this is really cool and i love that they kept one thing from barclay center that i loved which is like after the game is over you basically walk out to the concourse you walk down a short flight of stairs and you're on the street and you're go- and you're on your way home and i love that I'm, i was glad that they kept that because uh when i saw that at barclays i'm like oh that, that's pretty cool i never thought of that <laughs> so, so that's really neat the uh yeah that i really do think that the part of them keeping the game experience very mm-hmm. nassau coliseum was, was was a lot harder uh than people probably realize because probably. obviously you want to make a buck out of every second anyone spent in in, <laughs> in their in the arena like that's that's how sports are now. And uh, part of that is, is not building built uh, arenas to look like Nassau Coliseum on the, in, in any, in any shape or form. Or, right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, the sight lines and the sound, like nothing to worry about there. And uh, uh, I do, I do, I did find it funny. Like the, the concourse uh, is, is so different from the Coliseum, which is a NASCAR track. You, you just know, you just got to keep turning left um and Mm. and you'll eventually get back to your seat like you just uh and this is partly because it's brand new and i've only been there twice but i kept getting like lost in in good ways (laughs) during my first couple trips like you'd go you'd walk and you'd turn a corner and there'd be someone painting a mural or uh giving out like free tequila samples or something something crazy like that and that's why it really does feel like a theme park because there are just these it's it's it feels so much bigger than it is and every part of it is you're not really yeah it's obviously the bar is called the hyundai club and there's sponsors everywhere but (laughs) it does feel like you're walking through uh this islanders world and Mm. it's it's it's, who on earth who on earth would ever build an islanders world is is what i kept thinking and then right uh, for well yeah it's really bright and the ceilings are really high and it's very welcoming when you first walk in you know and you got those like market things and, and all that stuff too and and what i liked about it too was like you know, with Barclays, the food was really spectacular. And I felt though that it was a little overwhelming. Like you just, you had to choose what gourmet burger or chicken sandwich or God knows what you really wanted. seems here that the, there's a, there's a lot less options, but I mean that in a good way. Like you can kind of just, you know, you want pizza, do you want a hot dog? Do you want, and so you can choose and you can go to a bunch of different places. But the thing that really drove it home to me, and this is what you were talking about last week when you said like the place is hilarious and almost too good for us. I'm walking along the upper concourse and in one of the the stands, there's a guy at a carving station. Like he's frigging carving prime rib in the middle of the concourse, in the side of the concourse at a hockey arena. It's like something you see at like a wedding. And I'm like, really? <laughs> there's, a, there's a prime rib carving <laughs> station in this arena? That's That's a lot. And I don't know who goes to a hockey game to eat prime rib. Uh, and if that's you, that's awesome. I probably would. I don't know. I had to like sit and eat somewhere, but uh, that was really my sort of like, oh my god, moment. Like, holy crap, we have prime rib station now here <laughs> at at our home arena, which is pretty insane. Yeah, it is, and and hopefully <laughs> at some point the team will win a game there. Yeah, um, and I just they're not going to go wait. winless forever. I mean, yeah, they're going to be there just, for forty years. <laughs> honestly, if if this break didn't happen, I think they might have gone winless forever. But but <laughs> but I, I do I I. Right now, what what they have um, three goals at UBS Arena, I believe, yeah. and one of them is by Andy Andriot, and the other two are by a guy who's hurt for the next four weeks. So, it, it like it's I just can't wait to see and feel what it's like in there when things are going well, and right. um, 
because that, that that will change a lot. Like right now, those the 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 wonder of it all is kind of gloss helping like paper over some some issues with the the team. And uh, like I remember, uh, I the first night I went, I went to this place called like Mogu, I think it's called. I'm sorry if I said it wrong, but uh, and I got like just a bunch of General South chicken and. and oh yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, I know the place. Yeah, this yeah the Japanese place. Yeah, and I'm just like sitting there eating it and. Uh, and I was just like laughing, thinking like, oh, this is so great. Like I'm just staying and I've got like a lot of room. I'm in the concourse um, watching all these Islander fans fly by. And as soon as I was done with it and I threw it out, I got, I was like, oh shit, now I got to go watch them. Like, like, you know, like it's, it's like I, I, the, at some point the, that the game will take over from the arena being like right. the, the better part of the spectacle. And um, that can't come soon enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, they will figure it out eventually. Uh, and uh, yeah, for those in the building at that day, I congratulate you because uh, that would be a real, yeah. real fun experience. But, um, you know, I think they'll I think they'll eventually straighten themselves out. Uh, OK, so uh, moving on. And again, I think we're we'll, unless something else breaks uh, or we find that that speakeasy, uh, we'll probably move on from <laughs> UBS Arena <laughs> for the rest of the, the episodes. Um, but uh, I, I think we, we probably should address, you know, we, we can go around the league again a little bit um, because it, the Islanders stuff, I don't think has really gotten out to sort of the wider public. I know there was a couple of Penguins fans behind us that A, didn't know who the Islanders captain was. And I felt like turning around and being like, uh, he's Anders Lee. Uh, he's been their captain for three seasons now and he's currently on the COVID list so don't look for him out there so I think they were just sort of unaware that mostly what they were watching were Bridgeport Islanders at that point um and also they were shocked to find that that Parisi wearing number 11 is in fact the Zach Parisi it was it father and son and they were like is that that's not Zach Parisi is it and the son was like no I, I think it's a different Parisi and they were like I was like no that's that's him that's Zach that's him really i'm like yeah he got bought out and they brought him in for the minimum you know his dad used to play here and they're like really so (laughs) you know i don't know why i'm shocked but that's kind of how it is so uh i don't know how much of this covid situation the injury situation definitely hasn't gotten out there but um the what's taking up a lot of time and a lot of the attention right now are teams in montreal and vancouver and in a certain extent ottawa uh really struggling this season the Canadians uh, in the middle of a game last night lost uh, assistant GM Scott Mellenby. He just up and quit because apparently he thought that he was going to take over for Mark Bergevin. And then the, the team was like, nah, I think we're going to go in a different direction. He was like, well, then so I'm going to go in a different direction too. And then he quit. So that was pretty crazy. And then the Canucks are apparently moments away from firing their coach, their GM, everybody and everything that isn't nailed down in their office. And nobody knows what's going on. And if they fire the, coach uh travis green he's probably get hired again and if they keep gm jim benning who's been there for eight years and created this mess there might be a riot in vancouver again i don't know what's going and so like these are the top stories while the islanders just sort of fall apart out here on their own (laughs) in their new arena uh and uh, nobody's really paying attention so it's been fun if you listen to 32 thoughts podcast mike and i were just goofing about Elliot and, and Jeff before. Like, they're very invested in what's going on. Oh, and the Ottawa is also falling apart. People thought the rebuild was over. It's not over. And they put Matt Murray, their whatever, $7 million goalie on waivers yesterday. So these things are what's taking the attention away from the hockey world. And I understand that. It's better than the Leafs, I guess. So that's cool. But uh, at the same time, the Islanders are kind of just sitting here rotting while, you know, we wonder who's going to be working for the Canucks tomorrow. So <laughs> there, there you go. Uh, if you're looking for sympathy, you're not going to find it from, from up there. That's for sure. Yeah. And 
I, I do think that these teams do provide some perspective. Um, like we were, ta- we were talking about, like long-term lights at the end of the tunnel. Like even even this next month, I think it has the, the upper, there's there's a lot of potential because the schedule just is a lot easier than than what the Islanders have faced uh, to start the season. Um, you know, you, you you're finally starting to get into some of the weaker teams. They, they, I mean, that's another thing with the the Islanders and the poor luck is like the schedule kind of just sucked for them from the beginning. And, and part of that is, yeah, the, uh, the arena and opening and the road trip, but also like the teams that they were playing, like they're catching teams at just the worst possible time uh, for basically every night, like the, the flames come in you're like, Oh, wow. The Calgary flames are coming to open UBS arena a couple weeks ago. Like that's, that's not terrible. Hmm. Winnable game. This is a team that's basically supposed to be on the playoff bubble. Little do we know they come through and, Daryl Sutter has them playing incredible. Then the next night, who they play? The Leafs. Like the Leafs were on a, a crazy tear as well, uh, for themselves. And uh, then the the Rangers and, and the Penguins. They caught they catch the, the Penguins in the middle of a four game winning streak where they've outscored teams fifteen to two. Like it's just those those are the other you know kind of poor luck things that only Islander fans will really kind of pick up on. Um, but now all of a sudden that. Uh, starts to let up a little bit in December, uh, which is nice. And cause you look around the league and you, know, you look at a team like Vancouver, and you, <laughs> uh, it, it, they're one of the, the funny things. If you listen to the 32 thoughts, or if you listen to Jeff Merrick every day on uh, his radio show podcast, every day he starts his segment with Elliot Freeman, no matter what medium he's on with Elliot, we got to start with the Vancouver Canucks, even though nothing's <laughs> changed, like nothing's changed with this team, nothing at all. Like, and, and when it does change, I'm sure that for a week, you guys will talk about the changes and, and where the new coach used to coach in junior and, and whatever and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, they, they seem to kind of, the Islanders have been um, the, the kind of sub headline uh, for a lot of this and uh, which is fine. Like, you know, they mm. don't, they rarely the media, the mainstream, mainstream media, hockey media really talks about the Islanders when things are going well. And um, <laughs> so it's okay when they don't talk about them when they're, t- when they're not going well, but I do wish, uh, and I do appreciate that most of the time uh, when I, when I do read about them, there is a lot of context being given, like, look, that this team uh, is really going through it at least. Uh, um, but they, they kind of like gloss over it. They're just like the Islanders who admittedly are going through a COVID outbreak uh, lost to the Leafs last night. Uh, Joseph Wool looked great. Like no, he didn't. He just had to show up, <laughs> basically. Um, but yeah, the the it. I think the Islanders and uh, another sentiment I've kind of picked up is there are still a lot of people not in the Islander universe, but outside. Like the Islanders are going to be fine. Like they're going to get it together. And yeah, don't count them out. Like only a fool would count out the Islanders, which is really heartening to read. Um, because I've counted them out a lot already. Uh, every day. Um, but they're. The, those same people aren't saying the same things about these other teams that are going through it. <laughs> like, like the mm. Canucks and the, and the Canadians, the senators, uh, the Sabres after starting four and one are terrible again. And, <laughs> um, and so you do, it does give you a little perspective. Like, yeah, like things really didn't, aren't going well for us and hell, maybe it is a cursed season. We talked about the Dallas stars last mm. year when, with the COVID outbreak to start the season and the winter storm in Texas of all places. And another team that just shot an abysmally low shooting percentage. Um, so like you wonder, you know, one usually is like one team a year that just kind of has the gods going against them, and you hope it's not us. Um, but uh, it it does. It's not as bleak as it it feels in the moment when you take a step back and and you realize, okay, like yeah, the, 
they don't have Scott Mellenby throwing a temper tantrum very publicly because he's not going to get like the job because he can't, he's, he's not speak. He doesn't speak French well enough or something. Um, I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's, it is. I think I can't remember who it was yesterday. It was on Twitter. Like the Island, Islander fans have been waiting for adults to run this team forever. And like they are, and uh, there are teams that don't have those adults uh, yeah. running them, but well, uh, that, I was going to say that's our buddy, Arthur Staple. And he's right. Like, you know, this, that's, and this is what I was saying before. Like, there are lights at the end of the tunnel and, and they are maybe they might be long-term lights, but they are lights and some teams just don't have that right now. And we've been where, you know, here we're, we're making fun of the Habs and Canucks, but like we've been there. My friend, right. Scott Matla, who does. That's why uh, we're allowed he, to make fun of them, by the way. Like, this oh, is absolutely. A, of course. We're not yeah, that's, down that's, on anybody. We're, we're like, <laughs> hey, know exactly how you feel. Yeah. Nobody's earned it better, more than we have. But uh, my buddy, Scott Matla, who runs Habs Eyes, Eyes in the Prize and has the Locked On Canadians podcast, you know, he was talking about if this is the end of the Mark Bergevin era, you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, it's hard to really categorize it. You know, there were some good moves, moves that were good in a vacuum. They obviously had a bunch of really good seasons, including last year. But I mean, ultimately, you know, there was no sustained success. And I replied to him, like, you know, don't get sad and don't get mad at me for saying this, but sounds an awful lot like the Garth Snow Islanders era, you know, yeah. moves in a vacuum that were good players that were good seasons that were good, but ultimately, you know, you'd have a good season. And then the next year you'd be right back in the shit again. And it's like, that's kind of what's gone on with the Habs so far. And this year it's pretty, pretty, pretty bad for them. And so obviously that's a huge deal. Yeah. Um, but these, yeah. This losing streak feels a lot different. It's that's right. like the crazy thing is like I can remember back to those November swoons the Islanders would go through under Scott Gordon and, and uh, Capuano like you just you do feel like at that point you're like yeah the season's over um, you know start calling up Kale Molarad or whoever and uh, <laughs> see who see who is actually going to be able to stick around with this team and who isn't on Thanksgiving and um, this is a lot different from that yeah. still like yeah they're in a hole but uh, it's not. Uh, it's not a death knell, which is honestly shows you a five ten and two start not being treated like the season's over by uh, everybody is is just shows you where this team is uh, compared to where it was uh, for sure. Like like this is it's 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 quite stark in the way. Yeah. You know, like I I just I can't I think that was the 2010 November. Um, the way they, I think they went oh for November or something like that, or mm. very close to it, and um, just thinking like I, I was in college and I'm just thinking like my my and I think they had a decent October too, and I was probably high on my pretty high on my horses there. I mean like oh no, this team this team is going to do it, and then November comes and ruins everything, and right, um, and I, I can distinctly remember just like my thought process of being like, you know, it's it's one thing to to get to the playoffs and lose heartbreakers. Or you know to get close to the playoffs and play meaningful games in March or whatever, uh, but it's a whole other thing, uh, a whole other level of despair uh, to go through that, and uh, that's what those fan bases are going through, yeah. and uh, they've been going through it in Buffalo for ten years, and um, <laughs> for for some reason they 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 are what the Islanders were, you know, half a decade a decade ago, uh, and yeah, like it's you want to almost make a support group of everybody who's not the pink penguins and the rangers and the Leafs and stuff like you'd be like no look, we, we can help each we can help you like kind of see the light or whatever yeah. uh because another thing too like that's so stark is you they kept talking about the penguins because they're playing them like their their playoff streak because the you know, obviously the islanders beating them two out of three years in the first round and um just how unbelievable it is for a team to make the playoffs 
15 years in a row, like making it seven years in a row in the NHL is, seems like it's impossible. Like the Islanders making it three years in a row has been crazy to me. And, uh, but 15 years in a row, like, yeah, God, I hate them. Like, that's, that's, <laughs> it's just not fair because you just, you don't, you know, that means that they've just never gone through something like we're going through right now, basically. Yeah. Like, well, and that's the thing too. Like, you know, it just, you hear stuff like, well, so-and-so team lost a bunch of dudes to, you know, injuries and whatever. And they're still, you know, battling for first place or second place in their division. It's like, yeah, but you know, you can't. Okay. So like the caps right now are without Backstrom, Oshie and a bunch of other guys. And it's like, yeah, okay. But Alex Ovechkin still has 18 goals. Like this guy is literally a machine right now. And he, you know, he might end up with 40 goals this year. Like who on the Islanders is going to have forty goals? <laughs> That's the thing too. And and then the same people, some some people might be like, well, the, you know, the Islanders try and win every game two one. No, they don't try and win every game two one. They try and prevent your other team, the other team, from scoring more than once. But they'll take three, four, five goals if they can get them. And right now they're trying to win any game any goddamn way they can because they suck and they need something. They're not trying to win any game two one. They would have taken a you know a nine to eight victory any day and you know breathe a sigh of relief so um not every team is is created equal but yeah you think about that i mean the red wing streak was 25 years the blues and and bruins went 20 something years making the playoffs it's crazy but you know when you've got al mcginnis and ray bork and steve eiserman and fedorov and yada 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 all the way down the line it's you know it's a lot easier (laughs) in that way it's crazy, but because uh, one, one of my friends was saying like, "Oh, like you know, this you were due for some for something like this, right?" Like, I, I mean, I thought the thought crossed my mind, sure, but I also thought about yeah, the Rangers and uh, making mm. the the playoffs ten years in a row till they they sent out that letter, and then uh, mm. the 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 Penguins or whatever. Like, yeah, there's just sometimes when you when you get when you become successful in the NHL, it becomes a lot easier to stay successful than it is to to get to uh, a yeah. lot like to get there. And uh, I thought that's where the Islanders were and it would take a lot for them to be knocked on their ass. And it did take a lot. <laughs> yeah. the other thing. Like, it's been a lot. It's not like, yeah. it's not like Matt Barzell having a, a, st- a slow start to the season is what's causing this team right. to, to unfold. It's, it took a lot. It's if taken it was a lot. only Kyle Palmieri shooting 2.5% and everybody else was doing what they normally did. They'd be fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's been an absolute, uh, series of unfortunate events uh, more than anything uh which and and yeah some i think some of them are of their own doing in terms of like execution but they're they're not shooting themselves in the foot like these teams we just mentioned like they Mm. they don't have pierre dorian doing some dumb stuff and they don't have the the crazy owner the canucks and they don't have um just the the circus that montreal can can turn into uh Mm. when uh either an english only speaker is behind the bench or the team doesn't do well. Like it's not get the city's not going to burn down because uh, you know, Scott Mellonby can't speak fluent French. So they, they are like, they're not shooting themselves in the foot at least. And yeah, uh, yeah hopefully not on the ice. And at least uh, yeah, <laughs> they, they are on the ice. They're not doing it uh, off the ice anymore. Uh, but yeah, but there is a difference though. Yes. <laughs> yes yeah. This, it feels, it feels, it still feels stable. Right. Um, and it, I did that. I was thinking yesterday, like I really wondered had, um, Gar Snow, like this Gar Snow been in charge, like what he would be doing about the league not canceling games since the start. Cause he, he, he mm. didn't pop up much in the media snow, but like when he did, he would often say some 
hilarious and yeah. pointed thing. So I think he would have called it like, you know, an effing disgrace or something and got yeah. in trouble. But we, uh, we all remember, uh, what was that? I said, Lou is, Lou is never going to obviously do that. No. Uh, we all remember Garth screed after John Tavares got hurt at the Olympics that, uh, that went over real well. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. you know, well, maybe if you had more than one good player, Garth, you wouldn't worry about, you know, so <laughs> again, if you're looking for sympathy, uh, you're not going to get it from Canada or, or really anywhere. Cause this is the NHL. As Barry Trot says, this is not a pity league. I don't know what a pity league is, and I don't know if Barry has seen one in his days. He's obviously knows a lot more about <laughs> hockey than I do, but I, I believe him when he says this is not one. Whatever this is, it ain't that. So there you go. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, I mean, we'll be back at some point when the Islanders are back. We have absolutely no idea. Uh, there is a game scheduled for Thursday against San Jose. There's another game uh, Sunday uh, versus Chicago. Uh, I have tickets for that one too, but um you know, we'll see. We'll see how they play out. Uh, I could see either one or both or none being uh, canceled as well. So uh, we'll have to see uh, how that goes. But uh, in the meantime, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up to date Islanders news and discussion. Visit vintage visit vintageicehockey dot com. Check out Betway. Uh, check out Pinot Project wines at thepinotproject.com. dot com. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be here whenever they come back. Thank you for listening. Uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Bigly Basket with two E's. Read Mike at the Big Lebowski. Read his work at the Action Network. Uh, what, what do you got going on this week, uh, podcast appearance wise? Uh, we we are actually launching a hockey betting podcast uh, oh. called Line Change, and that will start on Tuesday morning, I believe. Tuesday and then Thursday. Uh, Canada Canada I'll- gets legal sports betting <laughs> on December first, so that's 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 the timing there. There you go, man. I love that title. That's that's a great title line change you yeah got, it's a hockey thing it's a betting thing the lines are changing. so that's really cool all right yeah check out the line change that sounds awesome uh and uh yeah we'll be back uh whenever we're back i don't know <laughs> but uh that's it and uh, i saw ghostbusters afterlife yesterday and i loved it my wife and i were literally in tears by the end of it uh it's uh, if you have if you grew up with ghostbusters and you have kids and you want to get them into a watch. They'll think you're weird, but trust me, it, it meant a lot to us. And uh, we loved it. I also think I'm just about done reading movie reviews because I made read reviews that made it sound like the worst thing ever committed to film. And uh, it is not. It was it was delightful. I enjoyed it. Uh, and that's about it. So uh, thanks a lot. And uh, we'll talk to you sometime next week, I guess. And uh, good luck to the Islanders in sorting out uh, all the things that ailed them right now. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.